0: The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the fifth chapter. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted.
1: My dear brothers and sisters, I bring you grace and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So I want to begin my reflections this morning lifting up one of my favorite short statements about who and what we are as the church. Uh, It comes from someone whose name you very likely may have heard. Uh, His name was Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a Lutheran pastor and theologian. Um, In the middle of the 20th century, he died as a martyr at the hands of the Nazis for standing up to them. And what Bonhoeffer said, he said a lot of things, but one of the things he said about the church is that the church is the church only when it exists for others. The church is the church only when it exists for others. Uh, Whatever else he meant by that, he meant that whenever we as the church turn in on ourselves, when we focus only on ourselves, we are no longer doing the work of the church. If we are the church, he was saying, we are always, yes, paying attention and caring for each other, but also always looking out beyond the four walls of this congregation, as an example, looking to the needs of the world, paying attention to them, tending to them. So I want to use that insight of Bonhoeffer's as sort of a framework for my message this morning, Uh, but I do want to get back to it by way of both of those really famous readings uh, we heard this morning. Uh, Allie read from Micah. Twyla read from the Beatitudes. Micah has that famous, uh, one of the most famous passages in the Old Testament, what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. Uh, The Beatitudes, as Tricia pointed out in her children's message, are all about Jesus saying, blessed are those who. They're not uh, identical, certainly, but they have certain parallels uh, among them that a bunch of people are gathered in each of those cases. In each case, they're hearing a message from God, in the case of the Old Testament from Micah, in the case of the New Testament from Jesus. And in both cases, there's sort of a, I'm going to call it a crisis, or a a challenge or a problem that's being addressed. In the Old Testament, uh, the people have been, I'm gonna say, behaving badly, and God is angry with them. In the New Testament, the people are simply struggling with some of the challenges of everyday life. So let's walk through quickly each of these, and then I'm gonna come back to that insight of Bonhoeffer's. In the Old Testament, again, uh, God's people have been mistreating the poor, they've been taking advantage of them, and God is upset, God is angry with them, and so God sort of calls this court together, where he asks all of creation to be the jury, and he says to his people, what is wrong with all of you? Do And then he starts reminding them, don't you remember what I've done for you? Don't you remember all that I've accomplished for you? Don't you remember how i brought you out of Egypt, the land of slavery, and I brought you through the wilderness and gave you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, and very importantly, by the way, lifting up a female leader in this passage. Don't you remember how I brought you ultimately to the promised land safely? So why are you all behaving so badly? Why aren't you treating others with the kind of gracious love that I treated you with? Now, this is where it gets a little interesting, I think. Um, The people of God, uh, rather than saying and admitting that they were wrong, yes, God, we know we were wrong and we are sorry, instead, they sort of go the other direction. They become incredibly defensive They do not want to acknowledge their failures or shortcomings, so they start pushing back against God. And I'm gonna use, I'm gonna suggest they are acting like a bunch of petulant children. Here's here's what they start saying. Oh, well, so again, God has sort of said, what is wrong with you? Behave better. And they say, oh, well, what should I do? Should I come before the Lord and bow before you? Which maybe wouldn't be a bad idea, by the way. Shall I come before you with burnt offerings? And then this is where it gets sort of ridiculous. Uh, Should I bring you calves, calves a year old, which would have been a very expensive, sort of extravagant offering? Um, Will you, Lord, be pleased with thousands of rams? Would that make you feel better, God? Or with 10,000s of rivers of oil? Or how about this, God? Do you want me to give you my firstborn? Would that make it all better? Right? They're acting like petulant, immature, bratty children. And it's here where we get that famous passage from Micah. And I think typically, and again, he's a prophet, and so we have sort of a, a assumptions about how prophets speak. We sort of assume he's doing this to the people, you know, wagging his finger, being angry at them, yelling at them. I think an equally valid way to think about it is that he's sort of uh, dialing down the emotional temperature Uh, and trying to sort of calm people down and say, hey, everyone, relax. Quit being ridiculous. And what does he say? He has told you what is good. In other words, folks, don't be silly. You already know what you're supposed to do. You're just not willing to admit that you were wrong. And so you're being defensive. You know what you're supposed to do. And it's very simple. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God. Okay? Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I'm going to ask a question before we turn our attention to the Beatitudes. Has anyone here ever done anything wrong in your life? (laughs) At the first service, when I asked that question, someone yelled out, This morning, you mean? (laughs) And if the answer in your mind is, well, maybe, have you also perhaps been unwilling to admit that you did something wrong? Have you been defensive about whatever it was that you did wrong? Okay, I just want you to sit with that. Okay? Now turn our attention to the Beatitudes, right? Um, And the Beatitudes here, again, it's Jesus gathering a group of people. In this case, they've not done anything wrong but they are feeling, let's say, downtrodden. Um, And remember, Jesus and the people listening to him lived in a culture of shame or honor. And there was not a lot of gray in the middle. Either you were on the inside and you lived with honor, or you were on the outside and you lived with shame. And not all of these things, but a lot of the things, there were eight or nine things Jesus lists, are things that, again, would have put people on the outside. And Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for example, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who are persecuted, blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you. Now, one of the things I think we get wrong about this uh, reading is we hear the word blessed, which is the typical translation of it. And there are reasons that that works, okay? But an equally good translation, and again, Tricia lifted this up in the children's message, is honored. And again, to the degree these people lived in a a culture of honor and shame, part of what Jesus is saying to them, and and by the way, when we hear the word blessed, we think, oh, so I'm I'm supposed to aspire to be these things so that I'll be happy, which isn't, again, it's not a very helpful way to think about it. I think instead what Jesus is saying, all of you listening to me right now, you feel like you are living with dishonor or a lack of honor. I am telling you, your lives are filled with honor and you have a place here in this family. Here you are an insider, not an outsider. Now again, I'm gonna ask the question, have any of you, you don't have to answer this, raise your hand, Um, have any of you Felt some of the things that are listed in those Beatitudes. Felt like you were poor in spirit. Felt like you were grieving. Felt like people were persecuting you. Felt like you were on the outside. And I think I can guess the answer to that. Now one direction we could go at this point, having asked those questions and let you s- sat with them in your own hearts, is we, I could now say something, a word to each of you about, here's what God has to say to you. And that would be fair and legitimate. But I wanna draw our attention back again to those words of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. The church is the church when? Only when it exists for others. So I want you to consider If you have in the past felt bad about something you've done and defensive about something you've done, or if you have felt like an outsider, is it possible that the people around you in your lives who are not here may also have felt those things? And is it possible that those people might need a place like this where they could come. And, you know, this is a whole other sermon, but does anyone think that social media, just as one example, has de-escalated the emotional temperature of our culture? (laughs) I'm going to take that to no. Wouldn't it be nice for those people if they could come to a place and they could sit quietly, gently, in the presence of a God who loves them? And wouldn't it be nice if those people could come to a place like this where they would feel honored, where they would feel welcomed, where they could feel like they are part of something bigger than themselves? Now, lest you think as you leave and you have a conversation with your spouse or your friend or your children, well, that was interesting this morning, but I already knew everything that Pastor Tim was talking about. There wasn't anything new there. There weren't any surprises. I say, great. I hope you do know all about it. The question isn't whether you know it. The question is, what are you doing about it? Welcoming people in your life who need what we have to offer here, what God has to offer here. And so my invitation to you this morning is to sit with that and pray about it. And to help you do that, I'm going to turn our attention back to the words of Micah. Remember, what did he say What does the Lord require of you but to do justice, love, kindness, and walk what? Walk humbly with your God. And again, humbly is an okay translation. There are reasons it works. It has a tendency, however, to make us think, oh, well, I'm not supposed to think very much of myself. I should be kind of quiet and shy and and realize my failures and whatever. Uh, A better way to think about it in the context of what I'm talking about and an equally valid translation of that word would be attentively or close attention. So in other words, walk attentively with God or pay close attention as God allows you to accompany him and particularly to pay close attention to the people God places in your life who may need what this place has to offer and then pray about what you might do about it. Let's pray about that. Right now, Will you join me in a word of prayer? Loving God, we thank you for drawing us here together where we can let down our defenses and acknowledge our failures and accept your forgiveness. We thank you for drawing us together where we can be reminded that we are part of something bigger than ourselves. Today, however, we pray you will open our eyes and our hearts to those you have placed in our lives who may need those very things but do not have them. Help us to invite them to be part of what you are doing here at St. Philip the Deacon. And all this we pray in the holy name of Jesus. Amen.